Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Patreon is an incredible way for projects like this to get an extra boost. Visit patreon.com slash theater in the now to learn how you can support the podcast. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Today, I'm here with the one, the only, Woody Repartee. How are you? I am wonderful, Michael. How are you today? I'm great. I am loving that summer is here, and it's not afraid to be really hot out at all. You're loving it? Wonderful. Balance, comic balance, because I I I love it. So I went to Apple today because I need a new battery on my phone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm just going to wear a nice color shirt. It changed colors by the time I got there because I sweat so much. It was, it's gross out. I always forget. I, I, I came here from work, and I work in central Harlem. And to get here from central Harlem uh, is either the subway down to Times Square and then yep. back out, or the M60 right across the river. It takes about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, keep it simple. I'll just take the bus. Crowded on the bus with everybody who crowds on the bus. I was reminded why I don't take the bus. Yeah, like I... So whenever I go up to the West End, I will always take the subway there mm-hmm. because I don't want to deal with like standing on a bus and like traffic. And but going home when it's like two o'clock in the morning, oh, the M60 is wonderful. Now, I I love traveling on. I mean, I am known for traveling in full high drag on the subway from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I I don't have a problem with subways. Yeah, but the bus. Yeah, I don't love the bus. Oh, I was surrounded by the most adorable basketball players on their way to <laughs> to uh, LaGuardia. And I just sat there going, no, it's too hot. Yeah. It's too hot. Yeah. Well, we are here to talk about you and an incredible little show you have coming up. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, we're gonna, I want the listeners to learn about you. Me. So where are you from? Well, where's anyone from, darling? Um... Witty uh, is a product very much so of New York City. She, she has a whole backstory that involves growing up on the Upper East Side that has absolutely nothing to do with the Wilmington, Delaware upbringing of her twin brother. Of course not. Of so, course not. Why bother? No, I, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I'm uh, not old yet, but old enough to old enough to actually be the mother of several of the girls I work with now. Um, but uh, when I was growing up, there were 18 community theaters in, in Wilmington, which was, you know, not... It's a big town, a small city. Yeah. Lots of homosexuals. Lots of homosexuals. Um, all doing community theater. So, um, cut my teeth on musicals in Wilmington, Delaware. Now, what were some of the your favorite performances to do? What, what shows? Oh, favorite performances... Chorus boy number 16. <laughs> um, no, that was me. I was actually chorus boy number 16, not doing chorus oh, of course boy number not, of course 16. Not, of course not. I would never stoop to doing another chorus boy. Just the principles. That was Oklahoma the summer I turned 18. Oh, Will Parker. Anyway, um, <laughs> I wasn't even playing Ado Annie. But um, no, I, I most of the musicals I did, most of the shows I did when I was growing up, um, I was ensemble or bit part. No one ever wanted me to play the Artful Dodger. No, no one ever wanted me to play Pepper and Annie. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't get those parts. I, I, I got to sing the, the, the tenor two line. 
um, until that fateful summer when I went to theater camp and discovered a near look-alike uh, church lady costume. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was right when Dana Carvey was at his height of his powers, and, well, we liked ourselves a little bit. Oh, I love church lady. We did. We sat there on the stage dressed in purple polyester and thought we were very pleased with ourselves. I, I'm a huge Dana Carvey fan and a huge church lady fan. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that tickles me. I love that. So you do community theater. Mm-hmm. You have a love for musical theater. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Did you go to school for theater? I went to school for theater. I, I was lucky enough uh, to go to a couple of boarding schools in my life that had budgets. Um, and I went from doing high school theater in a 900-seat auditorium with you know $30,000 budgets Wow! to choosing a university that had a black box theater and gave you 150 bucks to mount a play. That's that's university life. But that's also the reality of doing a show in New York. And it's, I knew, it's absolutely true. I knew if I was ever going to direct in New York, which is what I wanted to do, it was going to be tiny little theaters. Mm-hmm. And the only two shows I've ever directed in New York have been tiny little theaters with tiny little budgets. So in, I was, a, in a basement probably somewhere with no On St. Mark's Plays. Absolutely. You know, right. in another room. We've, uh-huh. we've all been through that room. Um, and... Uh, so, I, you know, yes, I went to college. I've got a degree in theater. Uh, we did not have a huge musical theater program, although we did one musical a year, which meant we did Pippin when I was a freshman, and I got to play the Baron, who has two lines in some scene. Of course. And then my sophomore year, I couldn't actually be in the musical because I was... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sophomore year was uh, Into the Woods. And, you know, they couldn't possibly give me the Baker or the Witch. Um, but I was the highest male voice in the show. So what 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 part do you give the highest male voice in Into the Woods? Oh no! Did you play Jack? I did not play Jack. What did you play? Running away, go to it, free from the ties that bind. Yeah, you give the highest male voice the lowest song in the show. Yeah, naturally. Naturally, character actor. Yeah. I could play the part, and I could fill the theater. With my voice, not not ticket sales. That, that, <laughs> that. <clears throat> um, but then we did Whites on This Island. Oh, okay. Well, we, we didn't quite have enough students of color to pull that no, one off, no. so, so we used the alternate text. And then my senior year, I directed a piece called Weird Romance, which you've never heard of. No, I have not. You have not. No one has ever heard of Alan Menken. Oh. Uh, Off-Broadway, Alan Menken. Two one-act musicals of speculative fiction. Interesting. Um, uh, originally done with Jonathan Hadari and Ellen Green and Jessica Malaski and yeah. uh, oh, the whole cast. I mean, they've all become Danny Burstein. Mm-hmm. Um, Just little names. Little names. Little names. Um, it is a perfectly charming set of, of, of one-act plays. Um, and if you've ever seen one Alan Menken musical and, you know, one... Leading lady wanting song, you know. Uh, yeah. Look at this stuff, isn't it sweet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ellen Green had a song called Stop and See Me, which is this actually very poignant song about a homeless woman. You know, she's playing a homeless woman. Of course. All of she course wants she is. is to be seen. And it sounds exactly like part of your world and exactly like somewhere that's green. And God bless Alan Menken and the BMI workshop for being so on brand. Truth, truth. Oh, we're getting into real esoterica <laughs> there. So... You go through college. Mm-hmm. New York, obviously, has to be the next step. 
Um, sort of. I, I spent a couple years working in New Jersey, uh, mm-hmm. the Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then I spent uh, several seasons at the Union County Art Center, All right. which is a restored vaudeville house in Rahway, New Jersey. Now, 1,300-seat mm-hmm. house, one of, it still had the original Wurlitzer organ built for the space. Oh, that's fine. So, you know. Having a bad day at work? Go fire up the Wurlitzer. Just yeah. sit in the big empty theater and be the Phantom of the Opera. It was fantastic. Uh, did some shows there, um, but most importantly there, I did a production of La Cage Fall. Mm-hmm. Now, I was 23 years old, and I was going to be Zaza. All right, okay. At 23. Of course. Yeah, no, that, that didn't actually happen. Um, but they came up to me, and they were like, we really loved your audition, and, and we'd really love if you would be a Kajel. Okay. And I went, you know I'm not a dancer. <laughs> Um, I, I can move, and I can pick up movement, so I, I'm willing to do the work to be a dancer if you give me Mercedes, who has lines. <laughs> now, anyone who has seen La Cage Fall in the last 20 years has no idea who Mercedes is, because right. every revision since then has chopped her part right out. You know, but if you've ever seen the original, there's a queen who's in the line who always has to go on when Zaza's late. And she's always, in our production... She played little girls. She went on as Annie. She went on as Shirley Temple. She went on as Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. So you get a sight gag. And there was a part. Yeah. Um, but what was more important was doing that show, the queen who eventually played Zaza uh, was uh, a wonderful performer named Victoria Weston, mm-hmm. who uh, for years here in the 90s and uh, the early aughts performed at 88s, performed at the duplex, was well-known on the cabaret circuit, and that summer was doing a weekly show at the Ice Palace called Out of the Mouths of Live Babes, which was a, so- a show for live singers. And she, she took me under her, her arm and said, you're going to come out to Fire Island and we're going to do this show. Yay! Fantastic. Okay, I can't get to play Zaza, but, well, Zaza's going to take me under her arm and teach me what she knows. That's kind of fun, right? Yeah. Um, so I went out to Fire Island, and I, 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 I did this show, and I learned a lot. In one show, the amount that a 23-year-old thinks she knows everything in the world queen can learn doing one show at the Ice Palace. Um, for example, were you aware that a 23-year-old white live-singing queen should really not try to do, and I am telling you, I'm not going? Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. unaware of that mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I tried that. And while I believe I knocked it out of the park vocally, Naturally. it was still a little off-putting for the audience. I, I, I you know, I, I did much better with Zing with the strings of my heart. Sure, of course. Um, Victoria had been telling the audience that she had this queen who did Elaine Stritch. Great, you know, like Elaine Stritch said about, uh, call me madam, I was 20, I looked 40, I got the part. I've always been a woman of a certain age, you know, it plays that way. Um, so I thought I can get away with Stritch, and uh, in 1997, the only commercial backing tracks for a Stritch number oh boy. were the uh, Barbara Streisand arrangements for Pretty Women and the Ladies Who Lunch. I can do Stritch. <laughs> Streisand, well, let's just say if the world is an S&M relationship... I'm more Midler than Streisand, with a little hat tip to Armistead Maupin for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not 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 terribly Streisand in my delivery. I learned a lot 
about what I could do and what I shouldn't do. And on the ferry back to the mainland, where she was depositing me before returning in, in, in whatever mood she was in, we had a little talk, you know, and, and that was the 18 months that I was driving a car. And on the drive home from Sayville to, where was I living then, Dover, New Jersey, I listened to an entire afternoon of Rosemary Clooney mm-hmm. and thought, maybe I should stick with fun novelty stuff. Yeah. Spent the next year doing Come On to My House and This Old House and, you know, mid-century novelties rather than, you know, Big Black Woman Stops the Show right. kind of numbers. And was a, a little more successful trying to figure out. <laughs> so drag is now a part of your life. Mm-hmm. How would you describe Witty in three words? Three words. Hmm. How would I describe her in three words? Uh, is old school one word or two? No, no, we'll go with one. Okay. We'll go with one. She's old school. She's camping. Hmm. I want to say classy, but that's not quite right because she'll swear like a motherfucker. Am I allowed to swear? Absolutely. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, she can swear like a sailor. Um, so old school, campy, and out there. All right, I like that. I like that. Not crazy out there. Just sort of pushy with the edges sanded off. All right, I, I, I can see that. How long does it take to transform into Witty? If I am absolutely focused and my mind is set, I can go from shower to out the door in 42 minutes. Damn, that's good. I, I, well, I have a 21-minute face. You know, there's, there's friends of I, we, we've been talking because all of these RuPaul girls now all go online with their, you know, Cosmo, mm-hmm. here's how I, I beat my face. And what's amazing that we've started looking at, now I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, I'm very proud of that, we'll talk about the show in a bit, um... The face you paint is the face you learned when you started. We all get, you know, better at it. We can all refine edges and play with color. But essentially, the, the shape and the, and the things you do are the things you learned originally. And I learned to beat my face for theater. Yeah. Not sitting there for, you know, 30 mi- or three hours, taking my time listening to my lies, uh, putting on six layers of contour. And then doing a Facebook Live and talking to the fans. And... Not, not my style. I appreciate those yeah. queens because they're building their, their reputations and they're, they're building audience for themselves. Um, but I, I can throw on a face in 20 minutes. If I'm doing a photo shoot, I'll take an hour. Yeah. But, but there is a basic face that doesn't change. And, you know, I've been doing this for decades. I don't need to take two hours or three hours no. to do it. Yeah, some might say, take a little longer, honey. But, you know. So, if I know what I'm wearing, if the jewelry has been laid out, I can be out the door in 45 minutes. Amazing. Do you have some inspirations for your drag? Either drag personas or just people. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, the great classics. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to put out there, you cannot do old school campy drag and not draw on Charles Bush. Absolutely. Charles Pierce. Paul Lind. Uh, Betty Davis. Uh, you know, whether they're real women, whether they're 
classic queens, whether they're still performing. I, I absolutely adore Charles Bush. Um, queens and performers who create a character and then have that character play other parts. Yeah. Um, I mean, Charles Bush will say, I mean, he's created the sort of 1940s hard-boiled dame and she plays all mm-hmm. the parts in the plates. Paul Lind played himself as other creatures. Yeah. You know, uh, very, very talented performers, limited range. Don't want to see Paul Lind play Hamlet. No, though, though that would be fun. For ten minutes. Right. For ten, I'll see a scene. To be or not to be. Yeah. That, that's the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to have a martini. I mean, where do you want to go with that? Right. Ten minutes. That, that's an SNL sketch. That's an SNL sketch. Um, but Paul Lind as Pseudolus... Absolutely. Would have been hysterical. Yes. And brilliant. And that we never got that Mm-mm. crime. Um, so those... Those queens um, are certainly the, the larger-than-life explosions. Yeah. Um, you know, the kids today don't know Charles Pierce. Nope. And that's, that's criminal. Go look up Charles Pierce. I'm yeah, saying this into him. the microphone. Charles Pierce. You've seen him if you've ever seen the movie Torch Song Trilogy. He plays Birth of a Nation. But go look on YouTube. Go look on iTunes. He did the same act over and over and over, but he did it for 50 years and made a fortune. Learn, kittens. Learn! Charles Pierce. Um, but there's also a huge Bette Midler influence. There is a huge Shirley Bassey influence. Um, as far as Broadway goes, you know, Merman, Stritch, Patti Lapone, the, the brassy, sassy belters who leave you with a laugh but never quite get the man. Yeah. Um, they're all in there. Nice. So you've obviously been in New York for a while. You've seen queens come and go. Are, are there any like young queens of this generation that you've yet to work with that you're dying to work with? This generation. Define this generation. The new, the new kids. The new kids. The new kids. Oh. Um, I've been doing it for 20 years, but because I've been doing it mostly for a, from a philanthropic point of view, I've never had... Not true. I had a weekly game show at Hannah's Lava Lounge for 18 months. Uh, but no one who is alive remembers Hannah's Lava Lounge, so we'll just skip <laughs> right over that. Um, I would love... I, I, I am so impressed by suddenly Seymour and Cacophony Daniels. They are, they are blowing the roof off. Uh, my husband and I just made reservations for their Don't Tell Mama show. Oh, nice. Um, they are... They... they they are doing everything absolutely right, and and watching them is is a joy. It, yeah, they they're classic, campy, but they're able to bring that modern flair into it. Yeah, um, they are fantastic. Um, I love uh, Gilda Wabbit. Mm-hmm. I love Gina Tonic. Um, I love Diana Carfire. I mean, these are girls I met when I was judging New York's Next Top Drag Queen at the Metropolitan Room. So I've seen them develop and grow. What is it like to be a judge for a competition? Um, It's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, Um, You know, with New York's Next Top Drag Queen, which was at the Metropolitan Room for for five years, and which we hope will come back this fall, um, it was actually a little easier because... They're all live singing queens, all trying to do production numbers around a theme. So there is a, a baseline. This week, who's doing Disney best? Who's, who's, who's giving me the cleanest? Yeah. And you can judge on their look, their outfit, you know, all the basic things on an even playing field. When we judge Miss Rockbar, 
uh, which I've done uh, for the last few years, that's much harder because the queens who come into rock bar represent every range. Absolutely. From like old school Harlem divas to Zalika Parsons, who I'm just going <laughs> to... Who so, is... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Who is really one of the most awesomely creative, wacky, out there people I mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't always understand her. Agreed. But I have to sit there and go, I'm transfixed. I don't know what you're doing, but I want more of it. I mean, at the Big Gay Pride show, like, her and Harry Ola just eating pirate's booty. And it was great. It worked. Um, So it's it's harder because you sit there and I go, well, I'm, you know, I, I look for old school classic camp. And the person sitting next to me likes wild, crazy, wacky this. And the person next to that likes, you know... Lady Queen. and the, it, yeah. So, f- trying to figure out at the end of the day what's going to win that is really a question of sitting there. And this is, for anybody listening, any judges for contests that you're in have to measure talent against venue. Because every venue is different and every venue needs a different miss such and such. Yep. And the personality of the venue and the personality of the performer have to match. You could be the most talented, spend the most on your outfit, blow it off. And if you are not the kind of person who's going to bring an audience to that space every week, that's a challenge. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with you. So it, it's, it's fabulous getting to judge these shows because you get to see what's coming and what's new and, and a lot of talent. But it's, it's very hard because... Yeah. You're not just judging talent or turnout. You're judging people mm-hmm. and space and time. And I got to say, I, 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 I lost the monthly qualifying contests at Miss Feathers in <laughs> Oradell, New Jersey. Six months running back in 1996. Oh, God. Um, and that was kind of the end of my trying to do that. It, it wasn't for me. Yeah, it, competitions are stressful. I mean, there are some queens who just can't take losing. No. And it's not a reflection on them. It's just the big picture scope. It's a reflection on them depending how they take losing. Sure, sure. sure. I, I, I have seen queens who I'm not sure I'd want to work with based on how they reacted to not winning. Yeah. Um, and I've seen queens win and me go, oh, okay. It... You know, winning or losing is less important than building relationships. Absolutely. You know, with the judges, with the audience in the bar, with the the bar owners. owners. Let's not forget, bar owners are not out to raise money for other people. Nope. They are business owners. Absolutely. And most of them are really good human beings who do a lot for the community. But at the end of the day, they got to sell drinks. Absolutely. They got rent to pay. If you're not bringing an audience... Not going to help the bar. And we've, we've all been there. Yeah. You know, I had a monthly show at Excelsior in, in Park Slope a couple years ago. And after seven or eight months at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night in Park Slope of having the same six to eight people show up, you know, the owners who I've known for years, I and mean, we had our wedding shower at Excelsior, I mean, they're good friends, were like, we're going to be rearranging the schedule a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was coming. You know, I still host the Oscars there. I still host their pie-eating contest at Thanksgiving. But, you know, doing a live singing cabaret for two hours on a Thursday night isn't what that space needs. Right. Okay. 
So you are a charity queen. I am a charity queen. Not a charity case. Not a charity case, a charity queen. Charity queen. Why is raising money for charity important to you? Because I firmly believe that we have to be the change we want to see in the world. And there are too many issues, too many problems, too many things that we still haven't solved. Um, you know, during the day, I'm the director of development for an HIV services organization. It's amazing. It, someone has to do it. Um, my entire life has been working in the nonprofit sector. It just makes sense. Um, well, I feel like we need a charity for a little cameo that we have right here. It's Cherry Poppins coming in. Out Cherry of Poppins? Oh my goodness, we haven't even started talking about the show yet. Yes. But look, Cherry Poppins' name is even on the flyer somewhere. Oh, wow. I can't even read. There it is, right there. Well, we're, we'll talk about you in a second, Cherry. Get out of here. Go. Hey. Leave. Bye. <laughs> I live here. I know, it's true. Why did I let that happen? I don't know. I didn't know she lived here. She does. She lives here now. Well. Three months? Three months? I think three months, but... Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. Um, well, what what else, why what charities have you raised money for? Um, well, over the years, I mean, I, I have been a part of. I've been queen of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. I've been empress of the Imperial Court of New York. Um, angel of Team Eagle. I'm the queen of the Leathermen. So through the course of all that, I've raised money for I don't know how many organizations. Um, Mostly LGBT, youth, HIV-focused, um, but not always. I mean, there are sometimes occasions where, oh, Planned Parenthood. Let's raise money for Planned Parenthood. Absolutely. That's really important. Yeah. Um, Is there a, one fundraiser that like sticks out as like a fond moment for you? <sighs> well, I, I mean, in in terms of... Big moments in, 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 in life. Night of a Thousand Gowns 27, which is when I stepped down as Empress of New York. It was a benefit for GMHC and GLAAD. It was a big moment because how often do you get to sing with four half-naked dancing boys Absolutely. in front of an audience of 800 people? I mean, it, it was a big moment. So that, that, that's always going to stand out. Um, but also, I think... Uh, well, there's so many that have little moments, but my live cabaret every January... Uh, started in 2014 when uh, my husband and I announced we were getting married. People were like, well, what are you doing? What's your bachelor party? And I was like, you're not invited to that. No, 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 no. Not, not Michael's bachelor party. Witty's. Witty's not getting married. Well, but you have to do something. You have to do a show for charity. That's what you do. Okay, fine. <laughs> So we created, I was at that point the Dowager Empress of New York, mm -hmm. and we produced a show called The Dowager's Bachelorette Party. And it was at the cutting room, and we had uh, Scary Ben and Paige Turner co-host it, um, which was fun because it meant that I got to watch most of the show. Most yeah. of the time I'm backstage running around or on stage introducing people. This time I actually got to sit in the audience and watch most of the show. Um, except when I performed. And that was a great show. Uh, the cutting room was a great space, but the most exciting moment of that was I sang Getting Married Today from Company. All right. With my husband singing Paul. Nice. So. At like show tempo? Or oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Full just, show just tempo. Checking, oh, no. Making sure. Nope, nope, nope. Full show tempo. Uh, Anya Genitalia sang uh, the uh, 
Jenny's part. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we, we did full show tempo in the wedding dress with the veil and and had a lot of fun with that one. It's amazing. So, Well, I want to talk about your upcoming show. It's your 7th annual 39th birthday celebration on Saturday, July 21st at Rock Bar. Mm-hmm. You and the Cavalcade of Talent will entertain the crowd. Who's on the guest list? Well, I am uh, really excited about this. Uh, we, I try to mix up my cast every year, and you didn't ask for an explanation of why I picked these people, but um, the, the lovely Femme Appeal burlesque legend mm-hmm. is going to be co-hosting with me this Amazing. year. Amazing. Um, I have known Femme for several years, and I'm the show director of Folsom Street East, and I've had her perform for the last two years, um, and just adore the hell out of her. I was like, why don't you come, come co-host? And uh, she used to host her own burlesque show weekly, and was like, okay. So we're, we're, we're excited about that. We're going to sit down uh, next week and have some cocktails and talk yeah. about what that looks like. I'm pulling out a cheat sheet here because there's 14 people in this cast. Yeah, I, I, you can't memorize them all. I, well, Even when you're there, try. you'll be like, who, wait, who's missing? I can't who's in order? Um, I have, I'm so excited about so many of these people. Yeah. Uh, Robusta Cap. Okay. Who uh, has not been in New York City for several years. She and her husband moved up to Salem, Massachusetts to, to sell witchy candles to mm-hmm, Laurie Cabot or, 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 or someone like that. Um, they moved up there and they are moving back. And this is actually going to be Robusta's first appearance back Amazing. in New York City in several years. Um, she and I did a documentary uh, two years ago, three years ago, with uh, Candy Samples and Yolanda and uh, Felicia Deluxe about gender and Amazing. drag. It was That was a hoot. Um, Diana Carfire mm-hmm. will be joining us. Ceviche, who is... Uh, I believe Ceviche has only made one other appearance in New York City, um, but uh, she uh, is the creation of DJ Chauncey Dandridge. Right. So we are going to see the second appearance of Ceviche, (laughs) Um, and I'm very, very amused by all that. Uh, Kylie Emmond, who has been uh, with me for years, she is the the founder of Rock and Rawhide, a group that does uh, charity raising money to purchase... uh, Toys and blankets for dogs and cats in shelters. Amazing. Um, she, uh, singer-songwriter, mostly retired from that now, but comes out once a year for, for this show, and we, we love having her. Uh, Edie James. Amazing, uh, I love new, her. New talent in the scene in the mm-hmm. last year or so. Uh, very excited to have her aboard. Uh, Bollywood Ken, Boylesque. Okay. Uh, he, he was at Folsom Street this year. Um, I've known him as a singer, but this year he, he sort of branched out and... Uh, Started working in the boylesque world. Yeah, and, a little dancing. Uh, n- never mind that. Um, Kyle Motzinger, uh, who is a uh, ginger otter singer who does all sorts of really wonderful uh, personal stuff. Uh, some some great songs and, and one amazing SNM video with rope that just the images stay in my brain. Uh, Cherry Poppins, who just Cherry Poppins just scampered out. Uh, met her through Next Top Drag Queen. Um, and have actually not had her in a show yet, so this is a first time that yeah. she's in one of these. Uh, Dominique St. James, who's been a friend of mine for years, um, going back to when I was singing with the Gay Men's Chorus and she was dancing in the dancing ensemble, and we've known each other for 15 years or more. Sorry, Dominique. Um, 
Hazel Tart, mm-hmm. um, who's also never been in a show of mine, but I've worked with at Rock Bar on and off. Uh, Coco Taylor, currently Miss Rock Bar. I know her. Uh, and Julian Wolf, who has uh, been a friend of mine for years, is a performer in the Trans Voices cabarets that go on at the Duplex. Amazing. Um, so yeah, we have a, a really, a really tight uh, core of singers representing singers, performers, lip syncers, dancers, performing artists. So it's also called Songs in the Key of Orange. Songs in the Key of Orange. Yes. What could that mean? Well, we have a lot of fun every year with the theme of the birthday mm-hmm. show. And it always ties in somehow to how old I will actually be. Now, I don't make any secret. I make people do math. Right. And not many people can do math anymore. Right. Uh, but this is the seventh annual 39th birthday celebration. Um, the first one actually happened while I was Empress of New York, and it was a brunch at Cherries on Fire Island. The next year, we moved to Rock Bar. Um, and because I will be turning 45, and because 45 only means one thing right now to so many of us, because most of us can't wait for 46, yep. by hook, crook, or... Oh, did I just say crook? Huh. Uh, not going to suggest anything else because, well, I'm a good little girl and we like staying out of jail. Um, songs in the Key of Orange, Protest and Resistance means that this evening is going to have uh, a more political edge than usual. Um, And we have some really wonderful songs and mixes and ideas coming up and out. It's amazing. I've got about about two-thirds of them in my hands already, so I know what's coming. Um, One song is going to have me in tears. I'm going to be an absolute wreck after Coco Taylor's number. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... The song, the reason I picked this show is because I wanted to sing Make Them Hear You from Ragtime. Great. That's I won't be. Number. I won't be. I have tried rehearsing that. I can't make it through. I just get so angry and, and sorrowful. But that's drag, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of it. No, that is the beauty of it, but I, I, I would like to be able to get through the song and have the, the tears not stop me. Yeah. And that, that's just not happening in this, that, that song for this night. Um... There is, there is a lot of fun. It's not all angry protest numbers. Um, there's a lot of fun. Um, we also have a great silent auction and raffle, and uh, we have a gorgeous brooch in the shape of a liar from uh, Moan's Jewelry. Amazing. Um, that we'll be pushing out there. Um, yeah, no, my, my producing partner in Kaleidoscope Collaborations, Nick DeSegli, is really amazing and pulls together fantastic items. That's great, and you're raising money. We are raising money. It is for uh, Team Eagle and Cycle for the Cause. Amazing. Um, last year's show did five thousand dollars. You know, for a bar show. Yeah. On a Saturday afternoon, we're like, okay. Uh, and every year we have raised that bar. I mean, Nick and I have been producing these together. I think this is our seventh or eighth event. We've given away almost thirty thousand um, dollars. That's incredible. Every year keeps topping the one before, and every year we say, this is going to be the one that's not as good as last year. Because at some point we're not going to do as well as the year before. And uh, we keep telling ourselves that, and we hope it's not true, but yeah. in any case, we're going to raise several thousand dollars uh, for the Center's HIV program. That's amazing. Um, because it's important. You know, there's still, there's still an epidemic going on out there. Until it's over for all of us, it's not over for any of us. And I don't care 
how much you want to scream about you know undetectable equals untransmittable how much you want to talk about prep those are amazing things you know i am a gay white cisgendered man in my mid-40s i am on prep i have been on prep for four and a half years not everyone has access to that not everyone's body can tolerate the drug it's not an easy solution and likewise neither is undetectable equals untransmittable because not everyone can get to that point Right. There are there are too many issues. This is not going to become a, a lecture about about the HIV epidemic, but as we work to end it, that means very much a different thing than eliminating a virus. Absolutely. So, well, I'm excited for it. I think I will be able to make it, and I'm really excited. I hope everyone will join me. But we're going to play one of my favorite games on the podcast. Okay. It's called Tea Time. So I'm going to give you some names, people you've worked with, people you've seen before, and people, maybe people you've judged. Oh, dear. Um, you'll give us some tea, share a story, whatever you want to say about them. They're listening. Don't be kind if you don't want to be. <laughs> I'm not a mean queen. I leave that to Bianca. Yeah, that's true. Well, we are going to start with Petra Fried. Petra is... I, I feel like she's my daughter. I have no right to claim that. Um, but I'm the queen mum of Rock Bar, and Petra is really the reigning queen of Rock Bar. Sorry, Coco. Um, Petra is is really, truly a, a phenomenal performer, phenomenal talent, and I wish she'd get out of her head and do it more. Yeah. I mean, I saw her really for the first time at Big Gay Prize Show, and I was like, all right, I'm into it. I like it. I can dig it. She's She's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, next up, you mentioned her name already, Coco Taylor. Um, Coco was, uh, you know, she was a contestant in Miss Rock Bar last year. I was a champion of hers from the very beginning because she's old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she puts herself together well. And she can sing and she should sing. And I... Coco fucking sing! I have told her that many times. Um, she may or may not do it ultimate drag pageant. She promised me she will. I'm waiting. We'll see. Well, all I can say, Coco, you have August, September, October, and part of November. Yeah. And then you're going to step down as Miss Rockbar, and you will be singing at that finale if I have to stand behind you and lip sync. What do you want her to sing? I don't know. That's, that's, that's a different question. Yeah. Because I want her to sing something that's comfortable for her character and her voice. Yeah. But I know she can, and I know she has it in her, and I want her to not be scared of doing it. I can't wait for it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, Coco. Next up, we have Holly Day. Holly Day. What do you think I know about Holly Day? <laughs> I don't know. I, I My experience with Holly is that she is a... Uh, a professional hostess. You know, she she was the hostess of uh, New York's Next Top Drag yep. Game. So she and I have sat across the Metropolitan Room, me judging and her pretending to to care. <laughs> um, oh, no. Holly, Holly is great with all the girls. She gets them on, she gets them off, she doesn't care. Um, but then off stage, she's really warm and loving. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, Holly is 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 great. She's a trash mouth, uh, but she's also really creative. And I don't have that experience with her because she's just getting a paycheck right. when she's hosting, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Love you, Holly. Next, we have uh, former contestant Celador. Cella uh, is great. You're you're just giving me people I love. Love you, Holly. Um, 
Zella has been in a couple of my shows. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I want to see Sella break out. Me too. Um, because she's, she's doing the icon pageant. She's doing iconic. Yes, she is. Um, she is really terribly talented. And the group that she went through Next Top Drag Queen with had so much talent in it. In, 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 in two years of it, I, 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 I get them a little bit jumbled, but in two years, we saw Diana Carfire, Shirley Jess, Bella LeMay, Cherry Poppins, uh, Gilda Wabbit, Gina Tonic. I mean, that, that whole crowd, yeah. you know, came to attention during that contest. And Sella was in that mix, too. And so many of them have figured out what their niche is, and Sella is on the edge of discovering that. She's close. She's almost there. I, 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 I love her to pieces. Um, and I think, I think she's still also busy working as her, her alter ego. Yeah. So give, give, give her props for maintaining a, a foot in the I'm still a performing guy mm-hmm. school, too. Yeah, I'm excited for her. She wasn't there her first week because she was celebrating Mama's birthday, but mm. I'm excited to see what she's going to bring because she got competition. She, she does. Next, you've mentioned her name, Diana Carfire. Oh, Diana Carfire. What is there to say about Diana Carfire that hasn't already been said? <laughs> um, I know, I mean... Diana knows I love her and I adore her, and she is one of those people who lives in her own world. Absolutely. There, there is no queen in New York City who is doing what Diana does, Mm-mm. whether it's on stage, whether it's with a makeup brush, whether it's with glue and rhinestones. Have you ever tried rhinestone brows? Uh, I never have tried rhinestone brows. Um, I'm much happier just shaving mine off and painting them back on. Um but uh, it's a look that works for Diana. And, yeah. and you know, it, one of the reasons I like her is because she doesn't give a damn what anybody else thinks about what she does. She just knows she's unique and, and goes out there and sells it. Yeah. She's, you want me to be mean? I, I, no, that's fine. Okay. This, is, this is great. Now, not many people are too mean on here. Um, but maybe, maybe you can be mean for the next one. Uh, she's a mermaid and her name is Bella Noche. Oh, gosh. Bella Noche. She is a mermaid. Um, do you know her boyfriend, Paul? Paul's really sweet. Of course I know Paul. I adore Paul. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Bella has has consistently... She's on the, she's, she's got the mermaid look. She, she does it very well. Um, and I want to see... She can also sing. She, she can also sing. And I... I I appreciate that she's found her look and her niche in this sort of mermaid idea, and that sort of sets her apart. And she's from not knowing who the hell she was two years ago to her being everywhere. Yeah, she has hustled and worked her ass off, and that is really wonderful. Um, I want to see, and I hate—I hate that I'm going to go here. I want to see more of who Bella is rather than what Bella's playing. Yeah. She's so talented. She can sing. She started, you know, performing at New York's Next Top Drag Queen. Had to drop out for, for work reasons, I think. It was, she wasn't eliminated. No, she was <laughs> not eliminated. Um, so I know she has it in her. And I want to see her just push further. Yeah, she hit, when I produced my drag array in um, 
last September, she had come up to me at uh, So You Think You Drag All Stars. She's like, guess what? I'm starting to sing again. I want to do your next one. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to hear it. She's like, December, December. I was like, all right, December. December came along. I was like, when are we hearing you sing? A couple months. I was like, all right. I'm so I'm still waiting, Bella. It's it's hard because now everyone expects queens to sing. That's true. And not everyone does. I mean, for, for years, you know, I would sing and push the top of my range. I mean, my, my drag mother was Victoria Weston. She is a gender illusionist. You know, she's not a drag queen. She's, she's, yeah. she's a, 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 an amazing gender illusionist. And sings at the very top of her tenor. And for years, I thought I had to do that. And the answer, girls, is that you do not have to sing in a woman's nope. range. No, you do not. You could be a full deep bass as long as you are selling and connecting the material in the audience. Who cares where your yeah. voice is? I mean... The she, Arthur was not a soprano. Kathleen Turner. What a wonderful example of somebody who can <laughs> sing and connect with her audience. Exactly. But but it just vocally, she's yeah. a little lower. She's a little lower. It's okay. It's I fine. mean, and, and what would Kathleen Turner have done without Brenda Vaccaro first? Yeah. Um... Yeah. Well, next up, I have I ask her about her to everyone at this point. It's become a trend. Gina Tonic. Gina Tonic is one of the weirdest people I know. I, I, I'll co-sign that. Um, I absolutely love her spontaneity and her sense of humor. Um, when she was doing Next Top Drag Queen, I don't remember... I think the category was air and water, and she was doing My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> Dressed as the Titanic. Of course she did. And pulled out from under the ship a head of iceberg lettuce to crash into. I mean, that's inspired. That's that's like yeah. wacky, insane inspiration. Yeah. Um, and she has that sense of humor that you just want to go, what, girl, what, what? No, no, do it again. What? Yeah, I've, I've seen her do some crazy things. Um, so much, so much creativity. Um, and, you know, again, like Bella, someone who has been hustling so much and so hard, I, I am both in awe of and proud of and pissed off at all of these 20-year-olds who have the energy to go out there and convince restaurants that should not have drag brunches to have drag brunches and pay them to come in and do and turn them into something. Yeah. Th- that energy and that spirit is amazing in so much of this crop that you've just listed has that entrepreneurial sense that, you know. Yeah. I never did. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go into any bar and be like, let me do a charity function here. I'll, I'll write you a letter for your community board. I mean, and that works. Yeah. Um, but the idea that they're going out and hustling enough to make a living. in you know, there are so many queens actually paying rent doing this today. That drag is now mainstream. <sighs> Don't get boring, kids. RuPaul is not the be-all and end-all. That is that is the truth. Well, next up, another one you've mentioned before. Surely you just. New York's best drag Muppet. She is a Muppet. Um, I love Shirley. Um, and, again, another wacky sense of humor. You know, New York's next top drag queen. When she was doing uh, people, people who eat people. Dressed as Mrs. Lovett. Yep, I've seen that number. It's quite good. Um, you know, it just... She's the kind of queen who will walk on stage and your first reaction is, is she really going to go there? <laughs> and she does. And, uh, you know, that's... She, she, she also really 
wacky sense of humor. Um, love her better in, in smaller doses. Mm-hmm. I love you, Shirley. You know I do. Um, but I've loved seeing, you know, 8, 10, 12-minute sets from her. Um, because she's like... She's like a fine dessert. Okay. I, I, okay. Too much, Shirley, just starts to be too much. And I, I, I like to savor small bits of some things. And, and, and Shirley is, to me, <laughs> hopefully will be again, uh, one of the ultimate guests on a program. Because she comes in and changes the energy and brings Absolutely. this wacky, crazy... And then you can have her back in 20 minutes and do it again. I love, love Shirley's energy. Yeah, she's great. Next we have Ruby Powers. You are just asking about this whole collection of girls, aren't you? I love Ruby. I mean, I, I'm a charity queen. I get all these queens to work for me for free. I have to say I love them. Um, <laughs> I do my research. and I, I, you, know, you, you know who I love. Um, if, if, if Shirley is a drag muppet... Then Ruby is something similar. I, 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 I don't. She, she is. Ruby is a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, Ruby is, you know, all lashes and lips, and I mean, she's like. I'd say she's like if Carol Channing were a drag queen, but Carol Channing is a drag she queen. She is. She totally is. Um, but Ruby has this whole. You know, larger than life, you know, comic air about her. Mm-hmm. Um, she walks into a room and her eyes are just the biggest They're thing huge. you see. Um, and and you want to know her and you want to like her and you want her to like you back. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw her was I went to a viewing party of season eight at Icon mm-hmm. and she was the host. And I was like, who is this person? She's fun. Well, Ruby. Three years ago, four years, whatever season I first was judging Next Top Drag Queen, I was there as a guest judge for one week. And I saw Ruby perform in the show. And I grabbed her after the show and I said, I'm just a guest judge tonight. I have no power, uh, but I'm doing a show on such and such and I want you in it. Yeah. Uh, Because she just had this energy that just cut through and... I needed to know her and, 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 and have her work with with our energy. And that's why we bring guest judges in. You never know what could happen. You never know. The, the, these connections are important. Well, you mentioned she's all lips. Talk about another queen who's all lips. Vicky Buffon. <laughs> um, well, v- Vicky is... Vicky is a friend. I mean, Vicky, I, I bonded with Vicky on a completely different level because we are of an age. She's not 20. Nope. Um, and Vicky is someone, who, again, someone who's not afraid to go there, but, but goes all the way there. Um, but someone who deserves a bigger stage. Yeah, she's brilliant. Um, I had her... Three years ago, when when uh, when when was Pulse? I'm sorry, I, t- I tie everything to political. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. So three three Folsom Streets ago, um, I had been asked. I was not yet. This, I, I was. I'd be show director the next year, but I was asked to put together a twenty minute set, um, and I had planned to do my number. 
Uh, but Vicky was the first person I asked to join me because that stage, you know, is one of the biggest stages we have for a drag queen in New York. You know, it's, you know, 5,000 people mm-hmm. down the street. Vicky can fill space. Yeah. Vicky can own space. She can walk onto a stage and you can go, she belongs there. And I want so much to see Vicky on bigger stages. And I don't mean RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't mean, you know, she needs to be fa- more famous than she is. Yeah. Although I'd love all of these queens to be more famous and making bank and, and paying me to be a guest on their show. Mm. Um, or, cat, or asking me to do it for free because that's, you know, turnabout is fair play. Um, but Vicky really deserves a huge stage. Yeah. And could fill. Yeah. Mean, have, she, you, have you seen her Ethel Merman? I haven't seen her Ethel Merman. It's hilarious. Uh, but we had her uh, a year and a half ago. My sisters, Paprika Swirl and Pheromones, and I produced a, uh, an XXXmas show. And the theme of the show was taking songs that were not Christmas songs, but interpreting them as Christmas songs. Of course. Uh, and she came in and did the Circle of Life as Mary... And had remixed the track, and it was no longer jungle animals. It was all uh, barnyard animals. So she had the entire stable going around her, and as Mary gave birth to, you know, Jesus. There you go. While That's... singing the circle of life. You need a big stage to do that. Yeah. You know. Um, so I, I wish her many bigger stages. And finally, Candy Samples. Candy Samples, Queen of the Bears. She's my sister. Um, and, you know... Like me, you, 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 you saved her for last, I'm sure, because uh, she also does so much for charity, so much more than I do. I mean, she and the candy wrappers have me in awe every year about the, 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 the dedication and the devotion that she inspires in others Yeah, is, is truly amazing. Um, I love her as a singer-songwriter. You know, I, I have had her in shows of mine going back years, uh, ever since we met doing Porno Bingo with Will Clark. Um, but she is, of all the queens in New York City, if I believed in the Christian concept of heaven, and I know that the good Methodist girl from, from, from whichever southern state she claims, um, sorry girl, I forget, um, and you're probably Baptist, but you're a good Christian girl from the south, um, she's going to heaven. Yeah. She's, she's going to heaven because, number one, they need more entertainers up there because most of us are going to be in hell. Uh, but she is just good. She's just good. There is nothing evil I could think to say about candy samples, nor would I ever want to, because she's good, people. Yeah. What is the biggest misconception about drag? That anybody can do it. That is true. You know, we, we like to be inclusive and we like to say, oh, no, anybody can do drag. And, and you know, I, I, I work with Drag Queen Story Hour and we talk to the kids about, you know, glitter and, and, and all this. And anybody can put on lashes and anybody can corset and put on tits. And I'm talking about whatever gender you're starting with. Go, I'm, you exactly. know, I'm not. Anybody can do that, but not everybody should. Because it's not just drag. I mean, and... and that's also unfair because I'm also looking at what does a drag queen mean to me. And there are certainly scene queens who put on a great look and stand in the corner of a nightclub and add atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And that's one kind. And then there are Broadway queens. And then there are, you know, lip sync queens. There are all different types, types of, of, of performers. And, and there's room for all of them. 
but not everyone can be a drag queen. Yeah. It's it's about understanding. I think to be a drag queen, to be a a drag queen in any definition of the word. I'm not talking about a gender flipping performer or a gender illusionist or a cross dressing performer or any of these. To be a drag queen, you need to understand camp. You need yeah. to understand the history of where drag comes from. You can't walk into H&M and buy a $12 outfit and some lip gloss at Dwayne Reed and call yourself a drag queen unless you understand who Julian Eltinch was. Unless you understand why Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was such an important movie. Unless you understand why Tootsie was not an important movie. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing camp about Tootsie. Um... Curious to see how they fix all the uh, transphobia. Yeah, know. that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. 30 years on, it's a very different world. Yeah. Um, so, that not everyone can be. Everyone can dress up and everyone should try. Yeah. But not everyone can be a capital D, capital Q. You're no stranger to entertaining a wide variety of people. From Drag Queen Story Hour to Folsom Street East. How do you balance it all? And do you ever <laughs> mix the two up? Um, have you ever done that? Have I ever done that? I I, uh, I do a lot of stuff for a lot of different audiences because it amuses. Um, because I don't like to stop and get stuck doing one thing. You know, I, I I really enjoy Drag Queen Story Hour. It's new. Um, you know, I, I could have been a teacher. In fact, I was. I used to, to teach Shakespeare at Rahway High School in New Jersey. Um which is a little different than reading Julian as a mermaid to, you know, three-year-olds in Park Slope, but um, it is tricky. And, and one of the things that I have to say every time I'm doing Drag Queen Story Hour is the back of my mind, the sort of drone mantra in my head is don't swear, don't swear, don't yeah. swear, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. Um, and so far I've never been called on swearing in those, <laughs> in those atmospheres, so we'll see. Um, so, you know, it, it's, that, that would be the biggest trick. I'm not, I'm not in any danger of performing at Folsom Street and, you know, slipping into toddler language. <laughs> uh, although we did a, a fundraiser for Drag Queen Story Hour at Rock Bar before the Big Gay Drag Show last month. And I read Goodnight Bush, which was a political take on Goodnight Moon because, you know, it, well, I almost read Where Did I Come From, which is a book about, you know... Yeah, sperms and vaginas and, 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 and how babies are born. And then I was like, nah, I, I bought a copy. You know, I found, it was what I had growing up, but I, I bought a copy and I was like, nah, this is actually too heterocentric for, for now. So I didn't read that, but uh, yeah, I mean, keeping them, keeping them apart just keeps them interesting. How has drag changed since you began? How has drag changed since I began? Back in the jade! When all these young children were out there, now, uh, drag has changed a lot. I mean, it, it's it's when I started doing drag in New York City, um, the circles were much more clearly defined. There was the downtown theater queens, there was the Harlem ball queens, there was the Imperial Court queens. Um, you know, there was a lot more beaded gown. There was a lot more. You know, Shirley Bassey look-alike, you know, the sort of grandstand on the stage yeah. and, and, and emote. It's gotten a lot crazier, a lot more theatrical, which is really good. Um, I would love to see it remember its roots a little bit more. You know, again, started old school camp. Um, but I don't ever want to see it go back to being less 
diverse and less interesting. Um, I think some of the crazy wackiness could be refined mm-hmm. and not polished, not sanded down, just better thought out. Um, you know, there are really some amazing performers out there who are just sort of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I fucking love whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever is one of those queens who you're just like, I don't know what she's going to do. Avant garbage. You yeah. know, there are queens who show up and you're like, that outfit is so fucking amazing. I, I, I have no idea where that concept came from or what you're going to do with it or how it fits your number. But wow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, how has it changed? There's more of it. There's more creativity and more diversity in it. And less professionalism. Sad but true. But that's okay. Because everything doesn't have to be 110% polished. No. Look at season one of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's true. Or don't, because you can't. Yeah, there, there's a little, a little Vaseline on that camera. I feel like you have a little bit to talk about on this topic, but how do drag and politics go hand in hand? Um, well... How do dragon politics go hand in hand? Let me call my friend Marty Gould Cummings. Yes. Um, drag and politics. Drag is politics. Um, you know, I, I am Empress 26 of New York from the Imperial Court of New York. Um, and for your listeners who don't know what that is, uh, ICNY is one of 70 chapters of the International Imperial Court System, which was founded in 1965 by a queen named Jose Saria in San Francisco. That's a very, very quick summary of 70 chapters mm-hmm. and 50 plus years of good works. Jose was the first openly gay candidate for political office in this country. You know, people talk about, scream about Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk was the first one elected, but 12 years before Harvey ran, Jose was out there campaigning for San Francisco supervisor. Drag queens have always been and need to always be cutting edge. We're always going to be pushing the envelope some way. Gilda Wabbit on the subway. Mm-hmm. You know, that moment became instant iconic you know um we have the opportunity to speak our minds because we are hiding behind masks you know we are on stage we have a microphone in our hand you may not know who we are during the day and we can say what we feel which means we have to be out there and we have to take a responsibility to push um you know i actually had the opportunity to host the election night returns at Rock Bar in 2016, which was supposed to be a phenomenal and celebratory night, and ended with most of us on the floor crying in our very large, very strong drinks. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it has to be that way, because someone has to be waving a flag and saying, this is not okay. And drag queens, you know, anyone who's gender non-conforming in any way, shape, or form, whether you're talking about... Uh, you know, trans men and trans women, whether you're talking about drag queens, anyone under the transgender umbrella at its broadest um, is always going to be a target. And people who are targets have the opportunity to fire back first sometimes because there's no hiding, there's no complacency. And I take that as a very serious responsibility to be out there screaming. Um, you know, I have not put my, my, my money where my mouth is like, like Marty. Uh, Marty Gould coming, for your listeners who don't know, ran for committee chair, district chair. She's, she's, she's going to be going out for another 
position soon. Okay. Um, which is absolutely phenomenal. And, yeah. and if I... If I had more courage, I would. But there are too many skeletons in my closet. You know, this is still a world where, oh no, you had sex with a man who wasn't your husband is enough to tank you. And while my husband and I have an open relationship, that's not necessarily something the world understands. Right. Um, so I don't think that I am a viable candidate for any kind of legitimate office. So I prefer to scream and stand and, and educate and fund and... That kind of work you know, I'd much rather be Ethel Merman and call me madam than Harry Truman. How's that? Love it. Wish I had that money. <laughs> if you could vacation anywhere right now, where would it be and who would it be with? If I could vacation anywhere in the world right now, where would it be and who would it be with? It would be with my husband because it needs to be with my husband and it would be in the islands in the channel between Ireland and Scotland because oh, okay. we need to drink better scotch. All right, I dig that. Are you a beach person or a pool person? I'm a mountain person. You're a mountain person. Uh, I, I, I am a true ginger. I burn in 10 seconds. I think I probably got sunburn walking over here <laughs> from the bus. Um, so I don't do a whole lot of sitting in the sun. But I draw a lot of my power and my energy from the ocean. So, All right. So, so maybe I, a lake, though. Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with ocean. Okay. Right. Um, I, I, you know, when I want to go in the water... The ocean is a great place. Nice. So we're going to move into the pop five rapid fire. Okay. I'm going to give you pop culture things, and you're going to first thing you're going to that comes to mind story phrase whatever whatever you want it to be. Okay. Number one is Pose on FX. Need to see it. It's good. It's. I mean, I don't know if you've watched any other Ryan Murphy saga. It's the. It's. It, Can you hear my sigh? <sighs> um, there's some really pathetic writing on it. But visibility, I think, is brilliant, and it's an A-plus for that. Ryan Murphy is great at bringing amazing actors together and giving them the opportunity to have five-minute scenes of brilliance in a sea of crap. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the only, like, if I could change one thing about the show, mm -hmm. it's simply the billing of the show. When the first three people build mm -hmm. are your three white actors who are all straight, not maybe the best thing. <sighs> yeah, well... Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I, I need to see it. I understand this week was a really powerful episode. Yes. Um, I My was, dear friend Billy Porter almost made me cry. I love Billy. Um, I was busy, actually, though, watching uh, the last half of season two of Glow. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Which, I, oh, I'm excited. I love it. I love Glow. Uh, yeah, season, uh, episode eight okay. is the best episode of anything ever. I tried to get two of my friends to do a glow number, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't do it. I was like, come on, it'd be so good. Well, I'm old enough to have watched Glow when it was on TV. <laughs> when it was real. Yeah, I, 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 I watched Tina Ferrari and, <laughs> and Farmer's Daughter Babe and all those. Yeah, anyway. Number two is Tab Hunter. Oh, reproduction, reproduction. Yep. I mean, I love Grease too. I still don't know why it's not a stage musical, but... My parents thought I was in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. I was in love with Maxwell Caulfield. Of I, I, How could you I wore not? out. Well, I wore out my videotape of Grease 2 mm -hmm. twice. Um, 
but never realized that reproduction was a number until later when I bought the soundtrack because I had taped it off of ABC, who had censored reproduction. <gasps> oh, no. So I never knew that number existed for like 15 <laughs> years. That's one of the best ones. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm shocked. Laurie, was... Laura, Laura Luft, Maureen yeah. Tiffey. I mean, come on. Adrian's Med. Yeah, it was a great cast. Laura Luft. It's Laura Luft's best role ever. <laughs> Mostly because it's the only one we actually see because most of her stuff was filmed in Cabaret. That's true. But... Number three is the Thai soccer team rescue. The Thai soccer team rescue. Well, I posted a cartoon yesterday on my Facebook page uh, that showed a bunch of little children sitting in detention centers looking up at a TV screen that was uh, applauding the reunification of these Thai children with their families. Um, While I think it's wonderful, um, and I want to say to the 25-year-old coach, what the fuck were you thinking? Um, I think it's been a distraction from the fact that we actually are, are doing awful, terrible things to children in this country right now ourselves. I agree. And, uh, yeah, we just spent four days looking at kids in a cave. Kids yeah. are in jail cells. Today was supposed to be the deadline for reunifying the thousand children under five years old with their families. And less than half of them are actually going to have been reunited by the end of today. So fuck the Thai soccer team. And fuck the media's coverage of the Thai soccer team. And yeah. let's focus on what's a real problem. Amen. Next up is Hereditary. Haven't seen it. Heard lots of great things about it. I've heard it's really scary and really fucks up your mind. Well, I uh, I, I got it confused. What was, what was the last Tyler Perry movie that was out? Because it was Tyler Perry's... Oh, God, I couldn't even tell you. And it... it for some reason, my brain conflated the two. And when my husband was like, we should go see Hereditary, I'm like, isn't that the new Tyler Perry movie? <laughs> He's like, no. Yeah, okay. No. Oh, no. Fine. We'll, 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 we'll catch up on Hereditary. And last but not least, the campaign to make American Idiot the number one song in the UK before Trump's visit. I love that the Washington Post linked to that like it was real news. It wasn't real news. No. No. Because it got it's all over the place. It is all over the place. That that website that that was uh, linked to is like the British equivalent of the Onion. Oh really? And the Washington Post linked to it as a legitimate news source for about three hours this morning. That's crazy. It is crazy. Literally every news outlet had it as yeah. a news source. Well, because when the Washington Post, it's like the New York Times. If the if the Post of the Times. Yeah, because it was literally it was on CNN this morning. It was yeah. on Billboard. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic idea. Well, maybe let's make it happen. Well, American Idiot is in the pre-show lineup music that we'll be playing uh, before Songs in the Key of Orange. Amazing. Yeah, well... I mean, it, it's crazy to think like what that album meant at that time and why they wrote it. Where is the band writing this, ver- uh, this one? We need someone to write the next... We are all in so much despair because the problem is as much as we hated George W. Bush and as much damage as he and Dick Cheney and Halliburton and the Carlisle group and all that shit did, no one ever questioned that ultimately they believed in the institutions or the rule of law. Yep. They were fuckheads. George W. Bush is not a bright man and fucked us over in so many ways and Dick Cheney spent eight years putting money in his pocket and his friend's pocket and that's disgusting. But I never believed that they were going to try to tear the house down around them. Nope. And that's the problem now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. And it's hard to know what to do because yeah. nothing, nothing makes any sense. 
it, it's absolutely insane that you know thirty seven percent of people still think he's doing a good job. It feels like it's a movie. It it just doesn't seem plausible to be real. I couldn't watch Ryan Murphy's Last American Horror Story. Yeah, it was. I I watched the first episode and said, nope. Maybe in ten years I'll come back to this. Yeah. Nope. It, it's it's it. I mean, it was not his best, but it it did make a, make sense how much this cult like mentality through propaganda really can alter the world. There's a wonderful book out there if any of your if any of your listeners are readers called The Fourth Turning, which is about generational cycles and how there are four archetypes in Western European and American history. Um, and that things happen in 80-year patterns. Can we look back and see what was 80 years ago? Yeah. Kind of exactly 80 years ago. That's insane. Yeah. So. Well, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Okay. So this is a question from Hibiscus. Okay. If there were to be a movie about your life, who would you want to be the leading actor or actress? Is there an and there or is it just that? That's, that's the it. If there were a movie about my life, who would I want to be the leading actor or actress? Well... The real answer to that question used to be Philip Seymour Hoffman because he got my career. Um, but that can't be the answer anymore. And Agnes Moorhead is dead. Um, who's going to play me in the movie version of my life? Oh, shit. My friends are going to kill me because I can't remember her name. It's just one of those things that's flipping off right now. Um... Um, 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 Paula from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um. Kind of watch that show, so I don't know. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Um, this is, this is too important. Google, who plays Paula on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Donald and Champlin. Yes! Okay. Oh, she's great. She is phenomenal. Yeah. And she could play me. Male or female. Perfect. She played Pirelli. She could play Yes, she did. Oh, she's so good. Now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. Who's your next guest? I don't tell you. Oh, you don't tell me. Um, So it can be a question about anything. My question for your next guest. What is the least amount of money you would accept for a gig when you know the bar is making bank? Okay. I like that question. It's going to be bound to be controversial, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. But oh, if, if the bar is making money, oh, how I much feel like I want to find a guest just for this question. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for this one. Well, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, use hashtag songs in the key of orange. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, social media, you can find me on Facebook, Witty Repartee. It's Witty with an I, not Witty with a Y, because Witty with an I goes E, not E. Um, on Twitter, I'm Witty Repartee. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Witty Repartee, although I'm never, ever on Instagram. I think I've got 17 pictures over the last three years. Uh, but Venmo, I'm also Witty Repartee. The most important one. Well, you know, I'm a charity queen, so no one uses Venmo to reach me. But that's the... Listen, if you can't make it to the show, Venmo you, it'll go right to the cause. Absolutely. You can do that. You can Venmo me, or you can find my Facebook page, and I have a link to my Cycle for the Cause page. Amazing. Which will also go directly there. 
Awesome. Well, Witty Repartee is 7th Annual 39th Birthday Celebration. Songs in the Cave Orange, Saturday, July 21st, 7 p.m. at Rock Bar. Thanks Yay. for doing this. Thank you. A huge thanks to Witty for chatting. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. And visit our Patreon to become a patron today. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.